Good morning. Man, I'm proud of you. Some of you, I don't want to say any names, but some of your wives didn't think you'd make it. We've got a bunch of women on a women's retreat, so if you see some glazed look on some of our guys' faces, it's because they got the kids ready and got them here all by themselves. In fact, some of them may stroll in about 11.45. It's the best they could do. Don't judge them. They made it. Um, so we miss uh, our women uh, this weekend. They, I, I, they may be joining us online right now from the mountains, but um, I've been looking forward to this week of this anxious series from the beginning because I'm just going to unpack a lot. Um, Ray, we're going to do a little different this, this service. Um, I'm going to read the first part of that psalm, and then I'm going to read the very last part. We're going to skip everything in the middle. I'll just tell them about it. Um, psalm 42 starts with, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? So I, I took a, a sabbatical. Our leaders encouraged me to do so, and it was a really healthy thing for me last summer. First time I've done that in my 20-some year ministry career. And this verse was kind of central to my whole experience of just getting alone with God and coming off the stage and just trying to be healthy. Um, and it's this idea of God reminding me um, my desperation for him and maybe that I'd lost a little bit of that. Um, and I actually saw a deer when I was out in nature one day and was reminded of this verse. And it's not a deer just kind of like casually walking around. It's they're panting. They're so thirsty. They got to get water to live. And that's the desire. And God's really worked in me of, of, of finding my way back to being thirsty for God again and that need. Um, and little did I know after that sabbatical last summer, November 15th, I had a, um, a stroke, very serious medical issue and been trying to come back from that. And a lot of my own personal battle with anxiety is what this series about anxious and mental health has come out of. Little did I know God would use the rest of that psalm to continue to speak to me. Back in my sabbatical, I never got past the deer part. I just read the first few verses and that was it. I didn't go to the rest of it. It's a really short psalm. And some of you, part of this series is that God has a clue about mental health. Some of you think it's a modern issue, but scripture speaks to it all along. And the Psalms are a great example of that. Specifically, um, this specific Psalm 42, three times he says this same um, statement. He says, why my soul are you downcast? Um, why so disturbed within me? So he keeps repeating that. And then this is the very end of the Psalm, kind of the answer. He says, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And that has become so close to me in my walk of, I'm, why, why am I so messed up today? Why can't I get over this? Why am I anxious? What's the answer? Put your hope in God, for I will yet. That's a key phrase, for I will yet. When things aren't better, when things aren't all worked out, I'm still going to praise him, my Savior and my God. So here's what today is. Today is a little bit of a... Um, unpacking of just what's been helpful to me, right? When something helps you and you get a chance to help others and you just pass that stuff along. So if you struggle with depression or mental health, anxiety, or really, if you don't, if you struggle with life, then this list that I'm gonna give you is for, for you. It's, as far as where I'm at, we had a, um, a family event. We've, my wife's parents and her sister and husband and family, all, we all live in the same region for the first time in our entire lives since we were kids. We've never been together with family like we are now. So we get to do birthdays. And a couple weeks ago, we got to celebrate, a lot of you know Kelly's parents, Poppy and Nanny's 
I forget their real names, Wayne and Luann. Um, but they celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary a few weeks ago. Yeah, we'll clap for that. And uh, so we had a family gathering, and I guess I was messing around with my, my niece, uh, 10-year-old niece. I was joking with her. And she said, Uncle David, are you all better from your stroke? Uh, which was kind of encouraging because she, I guess she saw something that made, made she felt like I was my old self. Um, and I didn't know how to answer that. I said, Glory, what's her name? I said, uh, you know, not quite, right? Because the truth is I'm not better. I'm not, um, physically I'm progressing really well. Um, but um, the, the mental struggle, specifically for me, what that looks like is anxiety. And I never really knew much about that. But for me, just, it's really hard to explain. Some of you know, because you've been there, but it's a, it's a, it's an emo, it's a feeling in my soul that things are bad and things are about to get worse. It's a, it's a nervousness and a panicky emotionally, not physically, that, uh, that has been really a hard road. So the truth is, I'm not, I'm not up here today saying, hey, I got through it, I'm all better, and here's how. What I'm saying is, God is working it out, and here's some things that have helped and are helping me. Does that mean they'll help you? It doesn't, right? I'm gonna give you a long list and take or leave what you want from the list, but then I'm gonna end with the big three, two of which I know can help you no matter who you are or where you are today. So first of all, first and foremost, as a gospel-centered church, we believe in the gospel given to us by God through scripture. So here's a, some of you like to take pictures of the screen, take a picture of these verses. It's not that these are magic. If you read this, you feel better. It's if you let yourself really get into these, this is our series. This is what we've been walking through this whole series. Uh, the first week, we just talked about Jesus' words of when he said, uh, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But it's in this section where he says, hey, birds of the air, lilies of the field. If I take care of them, then I got you. You're much more valuable than they. And some of you have told me, like me, even in the last three or four weeks, you've been outside on a walk or you've been in your house and you've heard birds. And it's reminded you of Jesus' words, the birds of the air, lilies of the field. Um, and then that same week, the first week, we unpacked 1 Peter 5, this exchange. It says, humble yourself before the Lord under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he will exalt you. And then the verse 7 tells us what humble looks like. Humble yourself is to cast your anxieties on him. You make an exchange because he cares for you. You cast, you release whatever is bothering you and concerning you, and you receive that he cares about you and what you're going through. Um, and then second week, Philippians 4. Again, it's not just, we said these verses by themselves are not helpful. It doesn't make you feel better. If you understand what God's saying in them and it's personal to you and you really meditate and let them sink into your soul. Uh, Philippians 4 starts with rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, that tough word always. Again, I'm gonna say it, rejoice. It says, that, let your gentleness be evident to all Then these great four words, the Lord is near. And it's only based on the nearness of the Lord that you can say, uh, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, present your request to God. Then the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, right? And then it talks about, we talked about putting your thoughts on trial and how important our minds are because that Philippians ends with, hey, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is um, lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. What you think about matters. Then last week, my, my older, wiser brother, in his words, um, came and did a great job just talking about the God of all comfort. If he claims to be the God of all comfort, then we should be the church that's able and excited to comfort people and that we all go through stuff, it goes through a valley, and we want to pull people out of the valley, but so often the valley is where you really meet Jesus in a real way. 
Some of you are looking for that encounter. Like, how do you know that this invisible Jesus is real and knows your name, right? He'll meet you often in the hardest of times. And uh, that scripture, 2 Corinthians, talks about the purpose sometimes of our junk is that so we'll learn to rely not on ourselves, but on God. And, and the scripture speaks so bluntly about why am I so downcast on my soul? Paul in that Corinthian scripture talks about we were despairing to the point of we thought we might die. It's the serious stuff that God understands. So um, that's where we've been. And today, um, as someone who's not healed from my stuff, but has, is finding hope, and I'm confident that God is alive and well and working and he's not done with me. And what, what I'm struggling with this past week is not how life will always be. Uh, Wednesday morning, I woke up, got in the shower. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get in there too quick and it's still cold and you got to wait a second. And that's a great wait, you know, like when it starts to turn from cold to wonderful. And uh, it never turned. It just stayed cold, right? And it's like, you kidding me? Like we, we knew we had an old hot water heater, but it just picked this week. And that's something, that's life, right? Everybody's had a hot water heater go out, right? And before the stroke, that would have been like a pain and a hassle. Okay, we gotta get this figured out. But in my current state, it's like, it's just disaster. It's just like catastrophe, right? And I have trouble like dealing uh, with that. And we have hot water now, took a good hot shower this morning and God is good. Um, but that's where I'm at. That's not where I'm always gonna be, right? I'm, I'm gonna be able to deal more normally as we go. And I'm getting better. Right? And I want I just, it's, I know from this series how many of you are struggling or love somebody that has struggled or is struggling. And if some things have helped me, like what kind of jerk am I to not tell you what has helped me? So this is a long list of stuff, and I'm going to go through them quick. Things that have helped uh, me. Let me start with some that will just make you mad. Diet, sleep, and exercise. All right? You laugh because you can go to the doctor for anything, and you're probably going to hear one of those Right, what, you know, and, and people complain of like, oh, that's all you got, pastor? Diet, sleep, and exercise? Like we came, it's a beautiful day, we could be anywhere, we came here, and you got diet, sleep, and exercise? Why do they always say that? Because it works, right? It matters, and we could go to scripture that talks about the importance of what we put in our body. We could talk about how we're not designed to, to be sleep deprived, how, how important it is to have movement and exercise. Those are just basic foundational Mental health, spiritual health, emotional, physical health things. The reason they're always said is because they matter. And I'm telling you, I, this, this list is not from a book. This list is from my life. There have been days where I'm like, I'm so anxious, I can barely function, and I'll go on a walk or go on a run and get moving, and I actually feel better. Like, it actually, there's something to it. This is stuff that's in practice. And if you don't know that, then you might not believe that. And I get it because with the diet stuff, which is probably the hardest of the three, people that have cut out sugar and all this stuff, I always ask them, like, especially if I know them, hey, for real, do you feel that much different? Like, really? And usually there's like, I can't tell you, man, I just feel so much better. I have so much more energy, feel so much better, right? And I'm like, man, they're not lying to me. They, there's no incentive. They don't get a commission, right? So I'm telling you this because I've seen these things matter in my daily struggle. Um, they're real. How about this? You, heard, you heard about the weighted blanket? See, here's the thing. Here's what I found about weighted blanket people. They're not, they're not ashamed to tell you, right? Some of you just made a noise in church for the first time ever. You've never amen nothing in your entire life, but weighted blanket. Because Why? Because you, it does something. It's weird. I can't explain it. It's just a big old heavy blanket, but it does relax. If you don't have one, right? I would, I would 
I would sign off on that. Weighted blanket, it just, uh, I don't know, it brings some calm. Uh, heat, just heat in general, because my muscles get tight when I get anxious, so heat, heat and pad has mattered for me. And then uh, Epsom salt bath, y'all know about those? Yeah, okay, we're not ashamed, right? I was like, I don't, how old am I, 87? I'm taking baths with a, and weighted blankets, like is that where we're at? That's where we're at, those things, those things have helped me. I don't need to understand it all. And I'm not a doctor, let me make sure you know that, and I'm not a nutritionist, but um, two pro words, probiotic and protein shakes, right? Part of the struggle with mental health, sometimes it takes your appetite and you just feel awful. So then naturally we don't eat, and when we don't eat, that makes everything else compounded and worse. So protein shakes, when I don't have an appetite or I'm a little nauseous, I'm able to get those down, and those have really helped me, and they're not that bad tasting. All right, moving on. Uh, establishing order, removing chaos. All right, and that's gonna look very different for you, but sometimes you just gotta take some control, right? Sometimes you just gotta make the bed, just to make the bed, just because, right? And I don't believe in making the bed because it's, I'm gonna be right back there in a few hours, right? But there is something about the appearance of, hey, there's some, neat, there's some order to this. So um, right now my garage needs some work. I'm trying to practice what I'm preaching, but when, when, you, when you're anxious or you're struggling with your mental health, what tends to happen? You tend to not deal with bills. You tend to not deal with the mail. You tend to not mow the, you know, you, and then things start to stack up, which does what? Increases anxiety. Sometimes you just gotta remove chaos and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna establish order where I can um, on, some, on some things. All right, this one is, is the one I most hesitated to put because you could hear it wrong, but I'm telling you, this has helped me some. It's not mind over matter. Sometimes this is happening to you. It's not your fault if you're struggling but sometimes I just have to decide to have a good day. And that doesn't mean I'm gonna have a good day. Sometimes I decide to have a good day and I don't, but it has helped me. When I've just like, you know what? I'm not going down this spiral mentally. I'm just gonna decide at the end of this day, it was gonna be a good day, right? And that has helped me have a good day. It's, it's the, the mind is a very powerful thing. Positivity, all the stuff that's out, there's something to it. That's why our world is so hungry for it because there is, you can talk yourself into a good day sometimes. Now you can't talk yourself out of mental health issues. It's not that easy. I don't want you to hear that. Uh, here's something you can do. You can help somebody, right? If you're, it's so easy to get obsessed with your own condition, with your own issues, with your own pain. And there's people that need help. There's some, this world is so broken. I guarantee, I don't have to know your life. There's somebody on your street. There's somebody at your workplace. There's somebody in your, in your contact list that you would, it would mean the world to them for you to simply text or call and say, hey, thinking about you, I care about you, how you doing? Like it would be the best thing of their week and it would take you five minutes, right? And there's something for me when, when I get my mind off how I feel and, and, and try to help somebody else, it helps the anxiety um, kind of not dominate me. Um, reading has helped me, right? I don't read like some of you, but uh, I've, I'm notorious for starting a book and not finishing. I've finished more books in this season of my life because I don't want to sit around and just be negative and um, let my mind go to places that I don't want it to go. So reading, especially positive stuff, I mentioned this book in this series, Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen. That's been really helpful to me. It's another book uh, by a guy named Jim Bergen um, called um, No More Dragons. I can never remember the title, but uh, I'll reference that here in a little bit. But other books that people have given me, um, some are great. Um, but they're just, some are okay, but it's just good to get some other people. I've been reading some Jackie Hill Perry. I've been reading a book called Recovery Alive that somebody gave me about 
something God may be up to in our own church as far as how we can really help people that are hurting. Um, and specifically, the Psalms. If you know um, Scripture, it's an Old Testament book. It's a collection of poems and really songs. <clears throat> and how I got started on this was kind of the point of this message. Um, I'm listening to a podcast, one of my favorite pastors. His name is Tim Keller. He's retired now. He's been decades doing, he planted a church in New York City and just the gospel just created this beautiful church and community and people came to Christ. And now he's retired and he's 70 something years old and he's been diagnosed with a very hard cancer. And he introduced me to this word I wasn't familiar with, anxiety. He talked about when you're cancer and you have to go get scans, the anxiety. And whether you've had cancer or not, a lot of you know, when you go to the doctor and you're waiting on blood tests or waiting on this result or whatever, the anxiety that comes with that. So in this interview, they asked him about this anxiety. He's like, what do you do as a follower of Jesus? What do you do? What, what do you do with this? And he said, I found two things that have helped me with that anxiety that have really helped. Exercise, we already talked about, and reading the Psalms. And my thought was, I can remember exactly where I was when I was listening to this podcast, sitting in the car. My thought was, if it helped him, maybe it could help me. That's where I'm coming from this morning. These are not things that I haven't tested in my own life. Some I can get better at. But I'm telling you, reading the Psalms has been helpful to me because there's so much mental health struggle in the Psalms. It's not filtered. It's people pouring, pouring out their hearts. Sometimes it's stuff like you saw. Why, am I so, why is my soul downcast? Why am I, what's wrong with me? Pouring out, God, where are you? Right? There's 150 Psalms. I've read all of them once, and a lot of them twice. Psalm 42 has been the one that has been the most, I've, you know, the most I keep coming back to. Just, I'm not the only one. There's people that have struggled with mental health for a long time. What's the answer? Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my God and my Savior. Um, so reading, all kinds of things, but specifically the Psalms has been helpful to me. Breathing exercises have been helpful to me. All right, you all know about those? It's crazy how breathing can calm you down before a test, before a game, before a speech. Um, but, but, you know, they got, they got me, you know, you'd know, like one, one doc told me, we breathe wrong in this hemisphere. And I was like, well, how a judge, what a judgmental thing to say about our hemisphere. I get pretty protective of our hemisphere. But, but she said, you know, and over here, we, we were chest breathers. I'm like, of all the things that anybody's ever called me, she just called me a chest breather. She's like, put your hand on your stomach, your hand on your chest. You want to move your, your lower hand more than your top hand, right? Which takes some practice because it's a deeper breath. So you want your belly to go in and out. Gets weird if I do it right here in front of you. It helps, right? So you want to move your, because there's something, the bottom of your lungs get filled up with air when you breathe from your stomach correctly. And I don't know, you know, the science of it, but there's something that happens that calms you down, right? This is people that struggle with panic, attack, panic attacks. It's a tool, but it's, this has been helpful to me. I haven't struggled with panic attacks, thankfully. But when I'm just like, I'm just feeling it well up in me, I know I need to breathe. I need to breathe. I need to breathe. It's been helpful. Now we're going to get a little personal with you. Okay, I'm going to get personal with me. And I'm praying that in this part, you figure out what fill in the blank is for you. All right, because God spoke in a very clear way to me this week. Remove stressors. Now that's hard, right? Because some things that bring stress, are, it's called life, right? If you're thinking of that coworker that just brings stress, I'm not telling you to remove her, right? That's, that's a crime. That's sin, right? We don't remove people. Um, so... Is there something in your life that you have control over? That if you removed it, man, there would be more peace. Um, here, here's, what, here's what happened this week. And this is not a preacher story. This is, this is the true account. Um, 
I checked the time up there because I'm, I'm so thankful and we need more help if you'd like to help for our, our workers that uh, teach and take care of our preschool, nursery, and elementary kids. And they plan on a set service time, you know, 75, 70, 75 minutes. So when I preach too long and go over, then they finish their lesson and they got all these little kids looking at them and that, that becomes a hard situation, right? So I don't want to create that. So I time, I practice preach my message especially with these messages, because I'm preaching to myself. This is, this is therapeutic for me. So I was back here Tuesday or Wednesday in my office, green room, and I was preaching this out loud. So people walk in sometimes like, dude's talking to himself. I was preaching, right? So I'm preaching out loud, and I'm timing it on my phone. And I get to this part of the message that I'm in right now about removing stressors. And I'm thinking about that in my own life. And all of a sudden, I have a thought that I don't take control of. I have a thought. wonder what the stock market's doing right now. Not a good thought, right? right? I've told you before, like, that's been a, something I've enjoyed. It's not a stress for me historically. It's something I enjoy through my whole life, just following companies and leadership and, and stock market. So I have this thought. So what do I do? What I taught you to do, take every thought captive. Is that a thought? Do I take that thought captive? No, I don't. Here's what I do. I pick up my phone. I stop the timer. And then I hit the CNBC app to check to see what the market's doing. And it's not doing anything good. And then I just feel this anxiety. And God's like, what are you doing? You're practice preaching and you're getting ready to tell the people to remove stress from their life and you stop talking about stress so you could stop the timer so you could check something that is adding stress to your life. Why? Right? It's, and, it's, and it's just this logic of, if this is slowing down my recovery for money, is it worth it? Like whatever the market's doing, is it not, it's not that big a deal. It's not worth taking my health, there's no number on that, right? So God has helped me since that Tuesday moment to make some moves and decisions in my own life to remove stress and take stuff off and put limit on apps and just get healthy. Now, it's, that's probably not your deal or your issue. Maybe it is, but I'm praying right now in this moment of the message that God would speak to you, that maybe you would know, yeah, it's that relationship, it's, it's that app, it's that hobby. It's that something. It's that message board. I, I would be better off if I removed that. Like, let God speak to you on that, which is connected to the next one, which is limiting phone time. Um, I, got, I got in trouble first service because um, of what I said, but I'll probably say it again. Um, I saw Ghostbusters on TV yesterday. I didn't watch it, but I just had so many memories of Ghostbusters, the movie. I remember being scared to death as a little kid after that movie. And I remember the ride home more than anything. And I looked it up on the TV. It's like, what year was that? 84. So I was seven or eight years old. And what I remember about that movie is my preacher and his kids and my dad and me and my brother, we all went together to see that movie. And we didn't fit in the car we were in. It was a Toyota Corolla hatchback. So we were in the hatchback. I remember riding in the hatchback. And today you saw that, somebody called the police, right? But in 1984, as some of you know, that was what we called normal right? No seatbelts, right? And what we know now, what do we know now is not worth the risk. If we would have been in an accident, there's a much higher likelihood it would have been a serious accident because we weren't buckled in, right? I think, and I, I'm not an expert, I think 30 years from now, we're going to look back on this generation and how we deal with phones, and we're going to look at it like we do seatbelts from the 80s. Like, what were y'all thinking? Allowing the entire world at the fingertips of this generation, right? And it's not just 
the young people. So here's what I said first service that got me in trouble, and obviously I didn't learn because I'm getting ready to say it. Um, I have three teenagers, 18, 18, and 15, right? And we do not allow phones in their bedroom at night, right? You wake up in the middle of the night and get and who knows what and what. So I said, if, if you have full unfiltered access to the internet and phones in your teenager and they, ha they can have it 24 seven in their bedroom, I think you're crazy, right? But I say it in love, I think lovingly crazy, right? I think my dad was crazy for letting us ride in the back of the hatchback, right, without a seatbelt, but he didn't know any better. I think we're learning as more stats and more surveys, if you've watched the Netflix documentary about the people who created the internet saying, we have so much regret and we don't let our kids, like it is the social media, media and the power of it. I don't know what's causing all this issues. We know, and Chauncey's up here, we have so many educators in our, in, our, in our church. It's not the same as it was 10, 15 years ago. It's not, it's worse. What's changed? Well, the pandemic has hurt us. Right? We're still recovering from the pandemic in a lot of ways. And we're raising a generation where, where there's full access to everything. Right? So that, that is contributing. Is it the sole cause? I can't make that case. It's contributing to the struggle of the next generation. Right? So if you've got, you got little kids, it is your job to protect. I'm not talking about sheltering and not let them know what's going on in the world. When they're young, it's your job to protect. Right? There are little kids. I'm talking about five, six, seven, eight-year-olds that are seeing horrific, life-changing things on YouTube, right? Because there's nobody protecting them, right? We're not there to be their friend. We're there to protect them. Now, my kids are older. We're past the protection. We still protect some, but now we're in the prepare stage. I got two that are only in the house. I can count the months now before they go off on their own. And I'm not trying to get them, you know, to... Um, to be scared, to, I want them to just understand the danger because uh, my son, my older son was on the drums, my, my daughter who's also 18 is in the room. What I'm trying to do is prepare them when they're in a dorm room and I'm not there and I'm not making rules on what, if their phone's beside their bed, that they see the danger, they're able to protect themselves from all the places that can go and realize, hey, there's apps that, because um, <clears throat> you know, the, the iPhones, they'll tell you how long you spent on an app and that can, that, like that's convicting, it'll tell you how long and, and it's not just a young people issue, right? We could do this, it would take too long. Let's go around, if you got an iPhone, let's just stand up, go to your screen time, go to last week, here's how many hours you spent with scrolling, right? It'd be embarrassing, not just for the young people, for a lot of the adults, it'd be like, that's how many hours? And think about it, a generation ago, that wasn't an option, so there's all those hours where they were doing something, probably with a human, other than all that we're doing now. Sometimes, a lot of, a lot of adult men, I've talked in the church, a lot of adult men, 35, 45, 55, 65 hours a week of, of screen time with their phone, right? And it's hurting us, not just the next generation, it's hurting us overall, right? So, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this list not to get up here and be mad at phones. My kids have phones, I've got a phone. I'm doing this because it's helpful. I've noticed when I, try, when I have a, a week where a ton of phone time, my anxiety is worse. That's all I'm telling you for me. Maybe it means nothing to you. I gotta keep going to get to the big three. Last is worship. Um, I think there's so much power in worship in that psalm, Psalm 42. Why am my soul so downcast? Why is my soul so disturbed? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. For I will yet, in the middle of the mess, when I'm not better, when I'm feeling it, when I'm struggling, when I'm hurting, right in the middle of that storm, I will yet praise him. There is something supernatural and therapeutic about offering our praise to God when he's not doing what we want him to do or coming through in the way that we want them to come through. So worship has been 
and is, will continue to be a huge part of my walk. All right, now I want to I end with the big three. Again, take what you want from that list. I hope one of them sticks out to you, but I'm going to give you the big three and for me, and two of these are going to be true from everybody, and the third we'll talk about. All right, here's the big three. Prayer, people, and pills. All right, now I stole that list from Jim Burton, that book, uh, No More Dragons. That's where I got it. I didn't come up with that. I wish I did. Um, but those are, that's true. Those are absolutely true for me. Now we're going to start with prayer. And I know some of you are like, yeah, prayer, prayer. We've heard that. Get to the pills. I want to hear about the pills. <laughs> All right. That may be an issue that you want to hear about the pills. We'll get to the pills. Prayer. I preached this message to begin this year. I said, my one primary responsibility today is to spend quality time with God, which is a, a quote I use from my, my spiritual coach, Dean Troon. And I've really embraced that in my life. And it's, it's not prayer like a formula like, hey, I'm anxious, I'm struggling, I should pray. Uh, God, you know, some formula prayer and you gotta say these words. It's not, it's a relationship. We, we don't like religion around here. Why? Because Jesus didn't like religion. Jesus was so kind and gracious towards everybody. He only struggled with one group of people. It was the religious people. He's always calling them out because religion hurts people and brings people away from the real God who is relational. So we always say we want relationship over religion. Relationship is a real, I have a real relationship with a real God. We interact. We, I listen, I talk, I pray. And prayer is a relationship. Prayer is communicating and hearing from God. And it's raw communication. Sometimes it's angry communication. He can take that. He wants to do that. And it's a humble communication, right? Some of you, I said, some, maybe some parents are crazy for how you do things. Forgive me for that. But I'm telling this parent, young, grandparent, if you're going through life and you're doing big things and you're going to work and you're trying to function, and you're trying to make decisions relationally, um, financially, and you're making any kind of decision of weight in your life without prayer, I think you're crazy. Like, who are you? How can I get through this? Like, prayer is my humble surrender of, I can't do this. My primary responsibility today is not to clean the garage. My, my, if nothing else gets done, it is to spend quality time with God, to really, to really believe that and embrace that. Um, it has changed the game for me. That's why it's first. These are in order of importance. That kind of prayer of admitting to God, I can't get through the day without you, right? Some of you are ashamed to say that. It's a, embrace it. You can't get through the day without the God who made you and sees you and loves you and knows all things. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good, it's a good thing to own it and to embrace it. You know, we sing, uh, Lord, I, can, I need you every hour. I need you, right? We need to have that conversation. That casting anxiety that we talked about, Casting my anxiety on him, I have to do that multiple times a day. That's not weakness. I'm learning that's, that's strength. So we pray. We're becoming a praying church. That's been our emphasis this year. And it's so cool. We, we, we haven't shared many of them. We have testimonies in our church. Miracles. We have, we have people that have struggled with physical issues for 30 years. One man named Sean in our church who struggled for 30 years. And he's healed now. And he can't, he'll tell you about it. He can't stop talking about it. Right? And I just wanted people to, in our church to be prayed over, like I was prayed over when I had my stroke. It was such a blessing. Prayer saved my life. So we're learning to pray for each other, and it's beautiful, and we're getting uh, better at it, learning needs, and it's a powerful, powerful thing, um, this prayer. So here's how we're going to end this series uh, next week. And our PSCs, people praying for each other, it's, it's changing our church. Uh, next week, we end this series. And I, I'm giving you everything I got today. This is my whole list because... It's the long list, and then it's the three Ps. Because next week I won't preach. We'll have a roundtable next week. Uh, Raph Lane will be on it along with some of our other uh, mental health experts. So Joy will lead a roundtable. 
I'm not a doctor, so I've kind of been in some areas that maybe I shouldn't speak about because um, I'm not your doctor, um, but I'm just telling you what I've experienced. So we're going to have some social workers and psychologists and therapists, people that have degrees and work in mental health for their career that also know and love Jesus. And I just asked them, hey, if I said something completely wrong or dangerous, like fix that so that you're going to hear from them next week. Then I'll talk a little bit next week. It will just be a, a kind of a summary of ending this and it'll lead into a time of prayer. For the first time as a church, we're going to invite people up to the front to receive prayer. There's going to be people up here ready, trained, and excited to pray. Put a hand on your shoulder and pray for you. Does that mean all your problems are going to go away? No, we're, we're not saying, hey, if you struggle with anxiety, just come up here and get prayed for and it'll go away. All right, God doesn't say that. It's a process. It's a, it, humble yourself and at the proper time. We don't know about God's timing. So we're, we're not trying to minimize, like if you've had an issue for 30 years, that we're going to get rid of it with a quick prayer. That's not what we're saying. What we are saying is there is a God of power who calls us to pray. And he, he works through the prayers of his people. And we're not going to limit him. What does he want to do next week? Does he want to deliver and free somebody? Maybe he just wants to give somebody hope. And it doesn't have to be about mental health. It can be about anything. You can come get prayer about anything. Be excited about that. Don't be shy about that, right? Because we've, we've seen it in my life, in the life of our church. Prayer matters. So we're going to, how can we not offer that? Maybe you've been struggling for years and no one's ever prayed for you. That's, the, that's, the, that's the, why this conversation is so big, right? This is the number one issue in a ton of Christians' lives, a ton of people's lives. The number one issue is mental health. And they've never heard a message series about it and they've never been prayed over, right? People get sick with cancer, we pray over them all day and it's normal. Why isn't it normal on mental health? Some of you next week, for the first time in your existence, somebody's gonna pray for your mental health in Jesus' name, right? There's a lot of hope in that, right? We're gonna not limit God and just be excited about that. Prayer is number one on the list. Number two is people. I'm so blessed to have the people I have. Some, I, I can't, I, I just, my heart hurts when I start thinking about some of you trying to walk through anxiety and mental health alone. I can't imagine. All right, my brother preached last week, his takeaway after preaching Relentless, he said, man, you got some great people. And I said, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And I've been blessed um, with people, right? Doctors are people, right? They're real people, right? You work with them, they're people right? Mo you know, we can get on doctors about being in it for the money because they make so much money. But they also go to school for like a hundred years and pay hundreds of thousands of dollars and have to pay it back. Most of them, I like to think, got into it because they, they wanted to help people. So God has given me, these are people, my, my therapist, my primary doctor, my neurosurgeon, my psychiatrist. Those are all people and I need them and God will. And we have so many stories since we've been praying of how God connected you with the right doctor, right? Um, because you know, doctors can get a bad rap when we get to the pills part. There's some people that are against pills because of big pharma and it's just about the money. Find a doctor who will look you in the eye and ask you questions and listen. You can tell a doctor who's already decided what they're gonna give you before the conversation because it's what they always do, right? Find a doctor and God, you know, there was a psychiatrist that I was nervous about even going. I talked about that word in week one and, and she didn't have it. We found her, we did a search of what we're looking for and she didn't have anything for six months. And then she called and said, hey, I got an opening. Can you get on the computer? today, right? God will, if you pray about this, God will get the right people in your life who are trained and experts, and you're not the first person they've ever talked to that has your issue. That's really valuable, all right? And it's not just medical people. That's the purpose of the church, right? We need each other. I've been so blessed with brothers and sisters in this church. Some of them are in this room, 
Um, Raf, you shared from stage, so I don't mind going back to this. A few weeks ago, if he, his own, uh, he, you know, he had a stroke three years ago. So God has put people in my life. They're, they're not you know, all the way through it, but they're, they're ahead of me in the journey. So he can speak to me in a way some of you can't because he knows what this is. And I can't tell you how encouraging that's been to have multiple men on my contact list who have been through strokes, who have been through stuff, and who, when you've been through it and God's helped you, you're so excited to help somebody else. I'm going to be that for some people. This is part of my therapy is getting to preach this message. Um, but God has provided people. There's, there's a man in the church. He's an older man who didn't have my exact same issue, but it was similar enough. And he told me, he pulled me aside a couple weeks ago, and he said, listen, there's a day coming where you're not thinking about this all day, every day. It'll get here, right? And that meant the world to me because I know he knows what he's talking about. He was in the stage where every day you're just worried about your health. And he, and he was able to speak from experience. God will provide people. And you're like, maybe you're new here. You're like, hey, I want, there's awesome people here. And I, it, nothing to do with mental health. You may be walking through something really hard in your marriage. I bet there's somebody in our church that's walked through a similar thing in their marriage. Right, well, how do I, how do I meet these people? Right, well, we, we're gonna do better at that. We got a series coming uh, in a few weeks that's gonna help you connect with people at Relentless. We all need people. You're not gonna be the one human that God created to do this life on your own without the help of others. It's not weak to need help, it's strong. You need, you're, if you're a human, you're not meant to live this thing alone. And especially when trouble comes, man, you need people. You need church people, you need brothers and sisters. I've got a great medical team, I've got an amazing church family. You guys have been so good to me and my family, and my family has been such a blessing in my recovery. You know, my three kids have not had their full father for almost six months. I mean, I've been there, but like being present and being, I've missed some things I normally wouldn't miss. And it's been hard on them. It's been hard on me for that. Um, and they've been so patient and gracious. And I want part of their testimony to see the faithfulness of God, that we're going to just keep putting our hope in God. For yet I will praise him. Now, not when it's all better, but now, right? And they've been so good. And then my wife, uh, for those of you that love somebody or take care of somebody who struggles with their mental health, uh, you're my hero. Because my wife has been the most amazing demonstration of Jesus and her patience and the way she's walked with me through all this and all that she's carrying. I just am so thankful for what God has put around me. Thank you, Kelly Jones. They clapped for her first service, but I guess y'all don't, y'all aren't, that's all right, y'all aren't like that. That's all right. Um, she wasn't in first service. Um, we need people. The, the problem with anxiety, and I don't struggle with depression as much, but I know from talking to some of you, Something about that struggle makes you just want to be by yourself. I don't want to deal with anybody, right? And that, when you just want to be by yourself, when you isolate yourself, there's, things get worse, not better. Um, so, so it's part of our action steps. We're not helpless, right? Is sometimes you've got to let people in. Sometimes it's, just, it's not seven people. Sometimes it's just one person. Hey, I need somebody to know. I'm really struggling with this. Could you pray for me? That may be the biggest conversation of your life. And just to, it's so amazing to have other people walking with you, beside you. I'm telling you, it's what the body of Christ was created for. It, it was, we mourn with each other, we celebrate with each other. It's not, hey, I'm moving, you know, hey, I go to church so I can get people over here to carry my couch. That's not what we're here for, right? We got bad backs, most of us, so um, it's not about getting somebody to move your couch. It's about somebody carrying the load of life with you. You're not supposed to, you're struggling because you're trying to carry it by yourself. And I'm not talking about knowing somebody's name, I'm talking about letting somebody in. I got some issues, and I'm, I, this is a church where you can be vulnerable because we know you have issues. How do we know? Because you're human, 
right? Your issues may be different than mine, right? And, and the power of this series is bringing this. We have two goals from this series. One, to normalize and destigmatize mental health. We got to talk about it because people are struggling every day. So we're trying to normalize it. One, the second goal is that we would be helpful. That's what this list is about. These are things that are tried and true. I know prayer and a relationship with Jesus is part of the answer for your life. And I know you need people and Jesus people to walk with you, right? Which gets us to the third thing, which I don't know if you need pills, right? I cannot, I'm not a pharmacist. I'm not a doctor. Um, and this is the hardest part for me um, because I had a stigma about medicine, right? In February, I was struggling. And uh, both my primary doctor and neurosurgeon both said, hey, have you thought about taking an antidepressant? And that phrase antidepressant had all kinds of stigma with me that was not positive. I was ignorant of what the drugs do and how long they've been around and all these things. I didn't want to take anything. Here, here's where I was, and maybe you can understand. Two paths. One, both paths, I get better. One path, I get better without pills, medicine, and one path, I get better without one path with medicine, one path without medicine. I thought this was a holier path. That's the bigger win, because then Jesus gets all the glory. And it I tried to make it about Jesus. It's really pride. I can get better without, I don't need that. That's some bull, all right? And it's so deep in the church that it's a better testimony. And when I stand up here eventually, and I'll be standing eventually, and I'll tell you, right, I still had a stroke, and I still have stuff that's part of me, but I am I am back and I'm not struggling. I'm not nervous. Like when I, that day's coming, when I get to that day, it will not, the, the glory will not be because of a pill. The glory, the glory is still God's no matter how he heals you, right? We got people in this church that have been healed from cancer. They're cancer survivors, right? None of you think, well, but they took chemo, <laughs> right? It's so obvious that chemo is a part of getting healed from cancer. Why isn't it just as obviously with our mental health? Right, we've got to normalize this. So, so I had some issues that God has taught me. And again, through people, through prayer, we prayed, Kelly and I prayed about, should I take this pill or not? And through people, there's, I found a lot of people in our church that have had experience and have been on this or that, right? And that's been very helpful to me. Um, but because of the stigma, I didn't know. So they talked to me about this drug, Zoloft. And I, didn't, I had some negative stigma about that, but that's what they thought would be best. Is all right. So in February, it came to the point, <clears throat> I was just struggling. So I, I, I got the prescription, started me with 50 milligrams, right? And I was, I've never been so excited to take a pill because I was struggling. I was like, ah, oh, this is the beginning. Thank you, God. We prayed through it. Doctors let us. I took a pill Friday night, February 10th. Was so excited to get some relief. Saturday morning, I've never felt so bad in my life. I felt like I just got off a little tiny boat, right? Like so seasick, so nauseous. Sunday morning, I'm driving to church. I was preaching that day, um, and my, I couldn't, my legs were shaking on the pedals. I was just so shaky, right? It was, some of you remember, that was a tough Sunday. Uh, well, Monday, I was in a mentally dark place. I wasn't suicidal, but I had the thought of, I don't, I don't want to live, not like this. Got me to the doctor, and they're not sure. They think I might have had a serotonin syndrome, which is an overdose. And my body's super sensitive to medicine. Right? So they started me at 50 milligrams. That wasn't great for my body. So it took a few days to get out of my system. Then I felt better. Right? And then I was like, well, now we got to pray through. Like, God, we thought you led us to this. Like, we prayed about it. And then it, it about killed me. Um, and, it was like, well, let's, and then a, one doctor said, listen, you can go back on a really small dosage. I, was like, I don't want to ever, I don't, I'm putting any, I don't want any dosage of that ever. So I started 12 and a half milligrams, super small. 
right? And then I upped that from 12 and a half to 25. And that was the season where I got uh, God to help me get in front of this psychiatrist, Dr. Ballantyne. Um, and I had my first appointment with her that day. I told her I was on 25 milligrams. And I, just that I'm saying that out loud is like shows how far, because I would have made sure nobody ever knew that I was on anything six months ago. Um, well, I told her that and she said, well, that's a sub-therapeutic dose. I was like, I don't know what that means. She said, that's under the amount that you would need to see any difference. I was like, well, that's because it made me sick. She's like, yeah, well, we know that like 50 is where we, we don't necessarily start people there, but that's, she said, well, you're coming off a stroke, traumatic brain injury, anxiety, all the stuff you're dealing with, 25 is not going to move the needle for you, so we need to bump you up. And I'm like, oh, bump me up. So she bumps me up to 37 and a half, and I'm doing okay. And then she's like, probably time to go to 50. I'm like, no, 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 50. I know 50. I ain't doing 50. She's like, I think it'll be different. It's in your system. And I trust her and we prayed through it. So I started 50 April 24th, uh, two weeks ago tomorrow. Um, and I had a day or two of nausea and then my body kind of uh, adjusted and it was, it was okay. And I was like, but listen, doc, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna be dependent. She's like, this is a season for you. This is not forever. But if you're in this room and you're on something and you need to be on it forever, if it, who cares if it helps you? Like there's no shame in that, right? God, God gives us, right? Uh, in, in the scripture, Timothy was sick all the time. And Paul writes to him and says, Timothy, you're sick all the time. Why don't you drink some wine for your stomach, bro? Right? What does he not say? He doesn't say, Timothy, your prayer life's obviously falling. Like, pray more. He doesn't say pray more. He says, hey, there's some things that will help you, that we're blessed. Like, medicine is advancing. Like, we get better through time. Um, we, you know, we've got to be careful. We've got to be wise and all that. So I was like, doctor, I don't want to just keep, I was like, how are we going to know when I got enough? And she's like, well, when you get back to your baseline, then we'll know we're at the right dosage. And she said, and you know, this may not be the right drug for you. If this doesn't work, we'll try something else. I was like, well, what do you wait, wait, back up baseline? I'm a, to me, I only think about ba- uh, basketball. What, what, is, what do you mean? Get me back to my baseline. She said, when you start handling life and things like you did before the stroke, I was like, can you say that again? So yeah, when you'll feel more like you did before the stroke, I was like, that's possible? Like I've been, it's only been six months. It feels like six years. Like I don't remember what that felt like. And then talking to people and there's so many people in our church on different issues, mental health and other issues that a pill has helped them get their life back, right? What if there's a bunch of people that are one prescription away from getting their life back, but they're not going to the prescription because they think it's a lack of faith? Come on, we can bust that myth right in the teeth and really help people. Now, everybody doesn't need to be on meds, right? You got to prayerfully ask doctors and ask multiple doctors and pray. And, and every, you know, everybody's different. You got your own journey. For me, that's the path. It's prayer, it's people, and it's pills. I'm not far enough into the 50 milligrams to get the results. It takes six weeks for it to start to notice a difference. I feel like I'm starting to feel some of that effect. Um, and there's no shame in that. There may be something that, that's out there that could help you, right? So talk about side effects and all those things. I'm not your doctor. You'll hear from people that know what they're talking about next week, all right? But next week's a big week for us because we're going we're gonna to pray you up. If there's something in your life that you need God to move. We said, God will work it out. Maybe you're like, I hate that song because God's not working it out. You need to be prayed for. Humble yourself and be ready to come forward and just have somebody pray with you and for you next week. It's going to be a powerful into this series. And I know when we end the series, mental health struggles still go after next week, but God has really worked. So I hope you've gotten some tools. I hope something on the screen helped you today. I'm telling you, I am full of hope. My hope is in God. He's got a plan for me. I'm going to get there, 
right? You're going to see a new me. I don't know the timeline at the proper time. I'm just telling you, here's how he is helping me. And he gets all the glory, right? And he's working. He's good God. He's good for you. He's good for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the amazing people that you put in my life, the medical staff, this church, my family, uh, pastors across the country that just pray and care for me so well. Uh, thank you for the leaders and staff of this church and the space they've given me to heal. And um, God, just thank you that, that, that we're not helpless. Thank you that your arm is not too short, that you have answers for issues of mental health. God, I pray we'd be a praying people. We'd be people that walk well with each other. And God, give us wisdom on when medicine and pills are part of the solution. Help us trust you. God, our hope is in you. And we will yet praise you, our God and our Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm excited where we're going, church. Um, part of the hardest part for me in this, in this journey is I just can't preach as many weeks in a row as I used to. It's part of like, protecting myself. And I don't want, I, I'm trying to learn to embrace limitations instead of hate limitations. Um, but we're going to have a great week next week. And then Raf Gonzalez, our associate pastor, is going to preach a very important series for our church the week after that. All right, so... Keep praying me up. I'll keep praying you up. You guys go. Have a great week and go Canes at 3.30. Let's go.